listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Thank you for listening. The Infinite Smile Sangha is made possible by the generosity of friends, members, and people who have been touched by this teaching. Please visit our donations page at infinitesmile.org to help us continue our efforts in spreading the Dharma. So welcome to Green Gulch Farm. Yeah, lion's share of my work was done right here on this land. And when I say work, I mean the uh, continual And in some cases, I guess I would say, um, fear-ridden journey for me began and ended here. I think what brought me to spiritual practice was pain. Uh, The idea that something wasn't right. And... Some of you know a little bit about my my history. I'll just share this quickly. I uh, went through high school, actually from grammar school on, I went through fairly uh, charmed life. Everything I touched pretty much turned to gold. I really didn't have much to complain about at all. And as I got through uh, my experience at Cal, Everything still more or less came fairly easily, but something was, wasn't there. I could sense just something wasn't there. And so I was encouraged to come here to this place uh, by a friend of mine who said, uh, why, don't you, why don't you just go out to the Zen Center and you know, check out one of their lectures. You know, you'll enjoy it. And, uh, I, was, I was struck by how basically the, the argument was, as I saw it, was that if, if you just quit clinging, you're going to be okay. Just let go. Quit clinging. And I thought to myself, clinging is how I got here. It's how I got to where I, I mean, everything falls in line as long as I hold on and I'm tenacious about it and I never give up, never give up, <clears throat> never, ever, you know, Winston Churchill, you know, began just kind of... Uh, and I think there's some, some real power to that. But it becomes even more powerful when that never give up is turned inward. And we are asking ourselves those really deep questions about how is it that I can be free? And when I say f- my path was kind of fear-ridden, uh, it was very frightening to uncover uh, these little bits and pieces of freedom along the way. Freedom is not knowing, you know, understanding. That is not necessarily freedom, except in a very small way. The freedom that the incredible teachers I had here kind of keep pointing out to me 
is that freedom is being fearlessly vulnerable to what is. There came a point where my desire for knowing uh, began to be overshadowed, or I, I, I should say um, uh, illuminated by, instead of, instead of grasping with my mind, knowing more, it became about being vulnerable, welcoming vulnerability to whatever was going to happen. I'm ready. And it was like, it was so helpful and so counterintuitive. But where that took me and, you know, countless others who've, who've uh, gone through this particular, this particular tradition, this particular path is to this recognition that, that this, the, the core of this teaching is really about space. It's about what is beyond the beyond. It is beyond anything we can think of. It's beyond anything we can do. It's beyond any feeling. It's beyond any thought. So when we start like looking at today's today's theme beyond pain, essentially what we're what we're addressing is that space. Every one of us in this room is either going through pain right now or has gone through a tremendous amount of pain or is going to go through a tremendous amount of pain. It's not something that we can escape. And spiritual practice is not about escaping any of that. I mean, authentic spiritual practice. There are plenty. I mean, you can go into any bookstore and you can find tons of stuff about how to be happy. And that's well and good. I, I, I'm a big fan of happiness. I'm totally in support of happiness. But happiness is a state. Happiness is a state that ebbs and flows, comes and goes. And what we're looking at here is getting to that place beyond that state. A place that doesn't have fluctuation or variation. In fact, there's no movement there. It's totally open. It's still. It's silent. Which is exactly why we try to manifest that state when we sit on our cushion. We try to be still and silent. And in doing this, we come into touch with this space. This beautiful, open space that never moves. It never has moved. It's never not been here. It's even prior to the Big Bang. The Big Bang itself occurred in time, right? This is prior to that. It is prior to time. At least that's the best way I can describe it. It's usually a mind bender. Prior to time? What are you talking about? You know. Anyway, I guess where, where I'm going with this is that uh, when we look at pain, and we look at our pain, or the pain of another, or impending pain that we know is coming down the pike, or pain that we've experienced, what we're looking at essentially is an intense experience 
that we're running from. It cannot be pain, in other words, if we're just meeting the intensity. It becomes pain the minute we go, oh, 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 that's pain, I'm out. And then the energy of that pain or intensity of that pain is intensified the harder we try to escape from it. Now this is a really, uh, this is a major insight for any of you to get to a place where you can actually look at pain, be with pain, not flinch in the face of pain, not like give me more. You don't want to be masochistic, that's not the work. But it's, you're, standing, you're standing right in the white hot fire of that, of that flame that flaming pain, you can be right there with it. The minute that happens, its intensity cannot help but begin to diminish. When we can see it as intensity rather than pain, our perspective, that shift in perspective, opens up an entirely new way of being. So for a moment, just think. Think to yourself. We usually have two kinds of pain. There's, there's a there's small pain, you kind of deal with it all the time, you know, and then there's big pain. Now big pain can be, just like small pain, can be either physical or emotional. Big pain can be either physical or emotional. But the thing with big pain is big pain points us in a direction towards space, towards freedom, in ways that the small pain usually doesn't. Have any of you ever been in a situation where the pain is so intense, so powerful, so inescapable that bodily you just kind of, you just open? My wife described the, uh, her experience in childbirth this way. Um, men don't go through that. So this means that women are automatically closer to awakening than guys. But just don't tell anybody I said that. Um, <laughs> But I remember at the, the birth of our daughter, how Allie was saying afterwards, she said, there, there came a point when it, it was so, and, and <laughs> I may have told you this before, but the, doctor, the doctors came and said, would you, would you like some pain medication now? And she's like, no. <laughs> and she barked at the doctor, and, um, or actually, I guess it was the nurse at this point. She said, no, women have been doing this for millions of years. And up until like 50 years ago, they never had any pain medication. I can do this. I can do And <laughs> I'm just kind of, okay, dear. You know, you're the boss. But she, uh, she, des she described very much the experience of how it, she got to the point where the, the pain was so intense, it was so powerful, that there was nothing left of her in the experience. It was just the delivery of a child. And this is exactly how spiritual work manifests. Except instead of giving birth to a child, we give birth with big pain to a new and in many respects revitalized self. Or we are beaten and, and shrunken down by the experience of pain. So what happens then, once again, is we have the small pain, small pain, um, 
it might be some, some form of discomfort, it might be a very low-grade anxiety, it might be you know, um, some, just some annoyance, some resistance. That usually doesn't, doesn't help us very much unless big pain shows up and changes our relationship to small pain. When big pain does show up, we have this beautiful opportunity to let go and just experience the intensity of what is as opposed to experience the intensity of what is and try to push it away. If we're going to look at this in emotional terms, the loss of someone we love, the loss of a marriage, the loss of, you know, you think of it, the loss of the usefulness of our bodies, whatever it happens to be, this type of grief that is associated with just being can be profound. And if we let the profundity of whatever is going on, whatever that resistance is, if we just let it in and don't move, we're afforded this opportunity to be free. I'm going to read you this real quick quote. I think I've read this passage um, uh, from Awaken This Life before to you guys, but, uh, to, or to several of you, but just bear with. At one point during a retreat that I was leading, one of, my, uh, excuse me, one of the practitioners approached me in tears, telling me about the, uh, both the pain he felt in his back and the pain he still felt in his heart over a marriage that had ended nearly 10 years previous, previously. He described his physical and emotional trials in great detail, and told me how his therapist suggested that he meet his pain fully while neither avoiding it nor judging it, just as I had been suggesting he do during our retreat. My discomfort is just a deep thought, he kept saying, while I remained nearly silent during our exchange. The next day he and I met again, and it was as if I were looking at the face of an entirely different person. His eyes sparkled, he wore an authentic smile, and he seemed to be sitting with less difficulty. It's amazing, he said. When you stay in the fire of it all and you don't move, you just witness the whole thing. The stuff you don't need burns away. This is really true. Um, And I don't know that um, uh, unless we experience that kind of pain, if the illumination can come through. I really wonder. You know? Um... And this is why we sit in these positions. The idea is not to be totally comfortable. The idea is to be still no matter what happens. This is why we do sashins. This is why I'm, I, you know, this part of the tradition I think is really powerful. You sit for seven days, okay? Sometime around day three or day four, it's going to hurt. It's going to be big hurt. And it's either physical or it's emotional or it's both. But what it does is that, is that pressure cooker allows us to get past what's, what's going on. It allows us to see into the heart of our pain. See into the heart of what actually is. And then not moving from it. Not trying to adjust it, not trying to fix it, not trying to do anything to it. So this takes a mighty, a mighty heart. This takes, this takes courage, as silly as this sounds, to just kind of open to the space that surrounds every circumstance, to open uh, to the space that surrounds 
any and all situations to recognize that every feeling that we have is simply a thought. Every feeling our body has, it's when the mind starts to meet the body, we begin to get a certain shift in our perspective, as I was talking about. And that certain shift allows us to experience our pain without getting caught by it. It's like that, uh, that great saying, um, okay, I'm, no, I'm going to screw this up, so just bear with. But basically, it's the, uh, the birds, the birds of unhappiness will no doubt fly over our heads. There's just no need for us to let them nest in our hair. You know? Uh, to put it another way, shit's going to happen. Okay? It will. Our relationship to it is what allows us to embody awakening, embody the freedom that is pointed out in every single situation we see. So today, my, my, my hope is that you can allow yourself to be really vulnerable. Allow yourself to be vulnerable to the beauty to the horror, to all of it equally. And then not move from the experience. Whatever your experience is, don't shut anything out. Just be right there with everything. <laughs> be right there with everything. And that's the path precisely beyond pain. A vessel. a vessel when you're witnessing or when you're experiencing or when you're uh, feeling the pain. You're, you're a vessel. You're letting it come through. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, but what's really you is what's witnessing it. And what's witnessing the pain is seeing the pain as an object, right? It's a subject. It's the subject, right? The witness of our pain is the subject, the pain is an object. You get that so far? That subject right there is not touched by the pain. It's totally free of the pain. Everybody hear that? That's key. The witness of our discomfort is not touched by the discomfort. Our awareness of pain is not touched by pain. Same thing goes for pleasure. The witness of pleasure does not feel pleasure. It's aware that pleasure is arising. And rather than this being a disconnect, this is a hyper-integration with what's big, what's free, what's open, what's infinite. So the more you can witness your experience from that, that place, the more you can see the vessel, okay, that seer, 
isn't even a vessel. It's quite powerful. Yeah. Jean, yeah. By getting out of the way. It has nothing to do with intellect, and that's usually what will, what will toxify or defile the moment. In other words, the, the, way, the way I heard you describe it was kind of cool. It's, it's that you, you had this window, and then it was as if it was too intense and you had to shut it down. And what, what I am asking you to do, and what the teaching tells us to do, is let the window stay open, don't move. It won't kill you. But, but I wanted it to stay open. I wanted it to stay open. And it was, I had no control over that mm -hmm. shutdown. Right. That's because it's, it's habitual inertia that really takes over. The ego is desperately afraid of this process. Right? And so what it does is it goes, whap, threat, shut down, shut down, shut, you know, and there's nothing. I mean, the alarms go off and we run away because we've done that since we were four. And so what we practice in meditation essentially is not running away. You know, we literally, we pin ourselves to our chair or our cushion. We just, how many more minutes, you know, type thing. And so, Gene, the practice of that allows for the next window, which, by the way, they're opening all the time. It allows you to stay right with it next time it happens. Constantly. The invitations are happening constantly. By, I'll, I'll say it again. It's by stepping. It's by being still. Utterly, totally still. Not stepping anywhere. Not doing anything. Okay? And you also have to recognize that, that as they are accessed, it, which is kind of a tough word, it's not that, they, it's not that we access anything. It's that they reveal themselves to us. And they reveal themselves to us when there is less us there. When there is less mind there. When there is less intellect. When less analysis. When it's just being. And, you know, we go back to this idea of big and small pain. They are great, great especially big pain can be this incredible catalyst for all that to occur. I'm guessing it's not necessary for that to be there. I think that there is, you know, increasingly as, as, as my practice, you know, goes on for years and years and years, I, I'm seeing that it may not be entirely necessary for people to go through the excruciating, but it is entirely necessary for them to be able to fearlessly meet whatever is without turning away, no matter what, without turning away, facing their lives fully, full accountability, you know, taking total responsibility. And this shows up in some really cool ways. I know this is a little bit of a side, so I hope you forgive. But what, what begins to show itself is that we have to take utter 
and total responsibility for every single aspect of our life. There is no such thing any longer. At some point on the path, there is no such thing as a person that has done you wrong. There's only someone who has offered you a teaching. And when we can get out from under that, you know, cloud, you know, of, you know, being victim or, you know, or another way that ego can kind of, kind of uh, cling to this idea is the minute it's about justice, right? Justice ideally would be quite honestly about that balance, right? Just the scale totally balanced. But justice, more often than not, is a way of cloaking the ego in armor so that it can go to war. So the minute we are actually at peace, totally, with what is, the minute we have forgiven all that has ever, you know, everyone that has ever trespassed against us, either individually or collectively, or any situation that we see in the world, okay, the minute we can actually let go of that, the minute we can welcome anything and anyone into our situation, okay, without hanging on to old stories, is the minute all of that stuff is availed to us freely. It's about the longest answer I think I've given in uh, several weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Yeah, I, I. Sorry if I if I made it sound that way. It's not. It's not that. We, <laughs> it's not that we can. We should be seeking the pain. Actually, you should not be seeking anything. Uh, but when, if, and when pain does arise, it's not to move from it. It's to be. It's to actually. It's to to quite literally go through it. And what comes out of the other side, is precisely what is beyond. What is beyond pain? It's when we go back to the, you know, the first question that Lucy asked, which was, which was, then we can begin to look at it. And from that perspective, we're free of that, of that thought. That's all pain is. Pain is just a thought. It's a very deep thought with a lot of energy associated with it. We can begin to watch the mind, watch its thoughts, watch our pain, watch our glory, watch every one of our perceptions from this place that is totally and utterly free. That's our awakened mind that's doing that. It's, 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 it's not bound by anything. And so pain can be incredibly helpful in helping us get to that space. Although I don't think it's entirely necessary. And <laughs> infinite smile is this radical experiment to see if maybe we can actually, you know, not have to go through that and still... The, you know, it's like the switch gets tur- gets uh, gets flipped, flipped anyway. Can I ask you? Uh, so you apparently encountered some kind of pain in your process yeah. that helped you through. Yeah. Could you say something about sure. Yeah. Pain? Are we talking about? Uh, uh, there were there were two. Um, the the big reason why I got into the practice to begin with was heartbreak. You know, I kept going through my relationships and so forth. It's like, you know, 
There was never enough. It was never enough. I could have, I could have died uh, in 1987, 88. I could have died and been able to go, wow, okay, I, I had enough sex. I had enough uh, beer. Um, I had enough. I had enough of life's, you know, sensual experiences. My appetites had been had been uh, filled, although I never got. There was something I was missing, so that got me into the uh, onto the spiritual path. And then, wh- while I was here, uh, well, actually, not only at Green Gulch but at other places as well, I started, uh, you know, doing these one-day retreats. I then started doing. You know, a seven a seven day here, a seven day there, and so forth, over over several years, and in the retreats, the the sheer act of sitting still for hours and hours every day brought up all sorts of not only physical pain, but also lots of emotional pain with it. And the practice was to just be right there with it, and don't flinch. Um, and it got so much easier, so much easier over over time. I did a session just this last last summer and it was just this remarkable experience was there pain yeah but my relationship to it had shifted so so radically you know that it it didn't it wasn't something that that crushed it wasn't something to be avoided it was something that was you were surprised at how hard it was though mhm yeah yeah I, i thought i thought uh I mean, I kind of entered into it rather in, in kind of a cocky, almost space. Like, oh, yeah, another sashin, chuck it up. Just chuck it up, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think I remember telling you guys that when I came back. I was like, oh, yeah, it was difficult. But it was just, it was just a, you know, I guess what I'm trying to do is encourage you, you know, and, and say, you know, fearlessly approach this work with your full heart and full mind. <laughs> and see what happens. Report back. You know. Yeah, finally. It's safe to say that if there is a experience that repeats in one's life, causing emotional pain, and you track it all the way back to your childhood, that um, that's an example of not facing the pain, and then do you go and collectively? Yeah, it's a great question because the dealing dealing with it, like if I were if I were your therapist, what I would say is, you know, yeah, let's deal with this. Let's let's pick it apart and see which stories are true and which ones aren't, right? And that would take us, you know, probably a couple of years. And over the course of that time, you would develop the ability to you would know the situation so well, be so familiar with what happened. You know, and that whole, like you said, collecting that whole bunch of stuff, so familiar with it that it would no longer hold the same type of uh, sway over your experience, right? But this work is a little different. It basically says that your tendency to get pulled back all the time into that into that memory pattern is essentially the ego's way of keeping the infinite out of the experience out of this conscious moment. In other words, it uses that as a tool so that you keep, keep pulling the, you know, you know, it's like, okay, what do I do now? You reach for the script, and then on the stage you deliver the same, the same soliloquy, which was, 
I got just totally royally shafted here on this one. You know? Ah, pain. Yes. Or I'm a victim. Or I'm a, and it's not to minimize that. It's to say that there's freedom from it. Or freedom from that dysfunction. Freedom from that memory, if you will. Is to recognize that it's just a memory. That's it. It's just a script that keeps popping up so that ego can think it's really important on the stage of mind. When in effect, what are we really? What we really are is what's in the audience watching the ego. And so when we're no longer caught by the ego's dance on stage, its delivery of the lines perfectly, you know, when we're no longer mesmerized by that, we can actually see it with some degree of distance. We're then free of the entire story. Yes. Zen renegade. I don't think that meditation does all the work. It's not complete. That's one of the great gifts of Western society is overthinking everything. And what it's allowed for is for us to go into a space of deep, thoughtful analysis in addition to this wisdom that the, the East has brought to us, right? So where the, the tragedy comes in, in my view, is if we look at therapy as being the entire answer, basically what therapy does is it, it, it helps us deal with the trials and tribulations, traps and snares of normal living. What any authentic spiritual work does is it takes that, then helps us reconfigure our perception of all that stuff in a way that allows us to be free of the whole darn shooting match. So that what we can do is we can be in the world, to quote the Bible, but not of it. We can be in experience, but not caught by it. There are plenty of people who have spent years and years and years with incredible therapists, you know, who basically still just get by. They learn how to deal with their neuroses. Right? But what happens when we couple that, ideally at least, what happens when we couple that with then the simultaneous you know, uh, uh, work associated with stillness is we become a master of those neuroses. Not over them, but we are so clear that we, we're, we're totally free of them. That's a, that's a second question, though. That's interesting. I am saying, let it burn you up. Okay? That doesn't mean don't call. It doesn't mean don't... Okay? It means you, you need to not escape from the feeling. Okay? The feeling is different than the actual situation. The situation may, may require immediate attention. You know, boom, 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 boom. Right? But then the feelings associated with it 
don't run away from those feelings. It'll feel better if you pick up and call a friend. You'll feel better. You're only because you're escaping temporarily. Yeah. Okay. Instead, you can you can call a friend, but calling a friend with the intention of trying to escape the feeling is cheating. <laughs> yeah. Which it's different on the other hand if you can absolutely be with it. Okay. And then share that with someone, not to get away from it. Um, paradoxically, you don't need anybody else to help you do that. You know. Uh, at the same time, I, I still am going to advocate: if it's too much, take a break. Practice, practice being with it as best you can, and take a break if you need to. But what I mean by the cheating is when we. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I, I know plenty of people that, like, don't consume alcohol, that don't, you know, that don't have uh, uh, any type of chemical um, anesthetic that they throw into their systems when things get too much, yet they go into another space when things get too tense. They run away, you know? You know, they, they build their bodies up so they, you know, they ha literally have this, this musculature, this armor over their hearts. You know, or they go read a book. You know, they, they, you know, they escape. And really this work is about no escape. And freedom waits there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so all of uh, this non-clinging and non-grasping and uh, facing your pain leads to uh, self-knowledge, knowledge of self, Mm -hmm. So, uh, isn't there a phase after that? I mean, is that all that we're, our dharma is, I mean, is purpose in life? Is there is more? It, is, shouldn't there be more of like, you're doing this so that you can share, you can give to others, you can help others, you can, you can be a part of humanity in a way that is just not about yourself. Uh, I know this is also about eliminating the ego, but... I mean, there's a whole philosophy of thought called existentialism that's it means leap to action. Are you your brother's keeper? Are you mm -hmm. responsible for somebody other than yourself? And just your own pain and fixing yourself. So, I mean, is this a path to knowledge of yourself, self-knowledge, so that you can be more than just um, concerned about yourself? Yeah, leaping to action. But that's, when you were, that's, a, that's a doing, not a being mode. Right. So how much of our lives, I mean, you're talking about stillness and non-being and non-doing and non-grasping and non-clinging, but what is our responsibility in life to our fellow man? Action. Conscience. Hang on, though. Action, consciously sourced from no self. You can't leap that's to... Hard. It, that's that's a challenge. It's not impossible. It's impossible for the ego to do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's impossible. Now it's very possible for the ego to become my brother's keeper, because well, well it's belief in your political system. I mean, it's 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 all that, which is involved with ego. But still, there's that whole so, thing of humanity. Sure. Right. So, what's your question then? Let me make sure so, I'm really clear on the question. So, isn't there a part? Yes, it's about facing your pain and knowing yourself. But isn't there a point? that we're responsible for someone else other than ourselves and humanity. Look at the, the global situation. Look at the world we're in. Right, yeah, absolutely. But what I'm saying is you can't act very effectively as an ego in that space, generally. 
what you can do is when, when you start, when there is no more war within your own heart or your own mind, you then become very naturally an agent of peace. Until then, you are probably going at war against war. So, uh, so are you hearing me on that one? Yeah, so, so yeah, I hear you. So what, what's, what's, what's critical in this process is making sure that you, that you are at peace, that instead of a self, instead of doing all this to make, your, make you a better self, what happens is we start recognizing that we are actually expressions of the infinite, just like everything else. And from that place of freedom, we can continually allow the world to meet up with an appropriate response from us. And that response always comes from a compassionate uh, place of tenderness. And it, it may sound like uh, uh, gunfire. It may sound like uh, a kiss. It may sound like a baby's cry. It doesn't matter. What happens is we begin to engage in the world from a place that is no longer cluttered with our baggage, with our scripts, with our stories, with our belief systems that we cling to. When the clinging, and this goes right back to what I was saying at the beginning, when the clinging begins to kind of soften and open, then what happens? Peace is us. We are peace. And our action is sourced from peace. Our brother's keeper, absolutely. But it comes from a place of peace. It doesn't come from a place of fight. So it's a, pro, it's a proactiveness coming from peace rather than reactive. Thinking of being proactive rather than reactive. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's actually non-active. Yeah. It's just, that's hard to, yeah. Right. That yeah, that's why we call this work. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard, but what's really hard is, is, is holding on. That's what's really hard. Mm -hmm. This is much easier, actually. But I like that, you know, your, your point that basically it's, it's this work, there's nothing, in my view, mushy about this stuff. This is not ignoring the global situation. Mm -hmm. This is actually engaging with engaging. totally. This is about engaging in the world totally. But it's not about going to war. It's a, there's a difference between dancing and throwing a knife at somebody. I'm interested in dancing. Yeah, I was thinking more about proactive preventing war than engaging in war. Right, and but you can't prevent but war. Beliefs, just yeah, you can't. In your way. Right. Pre you cannot prevent war if you believe that you are separate from every everything else, because that is war. That's where war is born. Well, there's all sorts of war in my profession. You have to mm. be proactive, so you don't have to start being reactive mm -hmm. to what's. What's happening? We're trying to develop a paradigm where we're proactive, so we don't have to be reactive with with troubled children. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was just trying to uh, fit this all into my philosophy of life, so that it helps me uh, survive and helps helps everything else out there that yeah. supposed to be responsible. For. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm hopeful that this can do this. Thank you. I, I would also hope. I would also hope that it goes way past that. It goes way past your philosophy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I said. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard to get beyond your ego and your philosophy. Exactly. So guess what? So here's the trick. You ready? Everybody, everybody listening? Okay, here's the trick. Watch your resistance to anything. Because the minute you see resistance, 
you're seeing ego. So if there's ever resistance, if there's ever push, if there's ever pull, that's ego. And the thing that can watch that is what you want to source all your activity from. The witness, that seer, not the doer, but the seer, that which can watch your philosophy, that which can see your philosophy, that whole story, that whole structure, that which can see it, okay? Not that which is caught by it, but that which can see it, is way beyond the philosophy. It's way beyond the philosophy, and it's called love. <laughs> no, my husband's a Sufi, and they had a whole uh, uh, Sufi event that was around that that purity, that love, that should, everything should spring from love. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, but it was much more complicated than what I'm saying. It was yeah. a four-hour presentation on, on how you have to separate yourself from the ego, and, and everything should come, should, should, should emanate from love. Yeah. And, uh, it's done very eloquently. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and I also, I think, um, I, I would be very careful for any of us to think that they need to eradicate ego. Ego's fine. Oh. It's just... It's, <laughs> It, because your ego is, I know, it's, that's a hard thing to do. Is, I mean, I attach ego to belief systems. And, it is. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's just fine. It's just what impedes awakening. Mm -hmm. so, so ego is still a divine manifestation of the infinite. Yeah. Just like the bird, just like this room, mm -hmm. just like genocide. That's a leap. <laughs> yeah, but I understand. It's, it's still, yeah. it's, and we, we don't, our egos don't want to go there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Break time.